0: Here's
1: that <laughs> Dirty Plays presents.
0: Nasty Natty. Play that fucking track. Yeah, yeah. What up, Cincinnati? Dum
1: dum dum dum. What? Dum dum. Ba-da-da-da.
0: There it is. Nice, good call.
2: So. I got a grab bag of depression. Uh, where do we want to start? <laughs> do we want to start? Well,
0: this is this. Uh, this is a nasty natty episode, and I don't think they're allowed to be any less depressing than the last one. I,
2: it's awesome that like the most.
0: Without the rage. It's awesome that. No, it can be ragey. That's fine. So
2: much has gone on this week in Cincinnati sports. And the best thing I can say is that Jonah Williams injury is. Not that bad, or not as bad as expected, Uh given how we saw his leg get rolled up this past Sunday on Miami. Did any of you see that play?
0: I didn't watch the game. I it's it's unbearable right now. I
2: mean, I Ooh,
3: the only play I watched from the Bengals was Tyler Boyd's touchdown. So I'm super pumped.
0: Well, uh, that that was yeah, the only only reason I watched that. It was on Red that Zone. Was, that was
2: so. literally the only high note of the game i had it on the second screen while i was watching well i watched the beginning and then relegated it to my smaller screen when the crosstown shootout came on um but it looked bad it looked like he may have torn his acl the way it got rolled up on um but all indications today are That he shut down for the season, but they think it's more likely just a sprain and not a lot of like major damage or reconstructive surgery is needed, which I, I think is a huge relief given he's already had one major surgery to have two major surgeries this early in his career, I think really puts a, a limit on his potential. So that was like the best thing that happened this week. But outside of that, the, the Bengals game was an absolute dumpster fire fire. UC lost a crosstown shootout and the Reds seem to be tearing down the team after their half attempt at one winning season last year. So, you know, where do you guys want to start?
3: Fuck!
1: I don't. I
0: don't.
3: I was gonna put a positive spin on the Reds, which is like way overly optimistic. But I have dreams. I, so I think I know what you're trying to say. Do
2: it. Let's hear it, Nick. Well, go for it. Nick.
3: I I was gonna let Sam like you know explain what they've been doing first, but come oh, get okay, it. So
2: so. What we've heard rumblings on for a couple weeks now is not only is Sonny Gray available as a trade chip, but the Reds are aggressively shopping him. This was per Joel Sherman of MLB Network. Um which obviously is not a great sign given that their top starter from last year, Trevor Bauer, is almost certain to leave Cincinnati and there's already talk starting about how he likes what the Mets are trying to do and links with the Mets organization. And then in addition to these rumors, we had an actual trade this week where the Reds shipped Rasiel Iglesias for what's really a middle relief trade. Or, you know, just decent reliever, but certainly not uh, a closer to Iglesias's caliber in Noah Ramirez. Yep. And this is kind of seen as a salary dump, considering what we got from the Angels wasn't that great. I am personally in full-on rage mode, but I want to hear, before I get fired up, What Nick's optimism is about because I don't see it.
1: Um, So, when did Trevor Bauer make those comments and when were those rumors uh, first started with the Mets?
2: I mean, the Mets got a new owner in Stephen Cohen who's like,
0: he's got deep pockets,
2: a billionaire, billionaire. Yeah, Yeah. like a baller, billionaire. He's ready to spend money. He just wants to spend money. He doesn't give a fuck. So, so that, that's the main link with the Mets, but this is the first time I've heard rumors kind of from Bauer's direction towards the Mets.
1: Okay, so I guess what...
2: It may not it may not be the Mets, but what I'm getting at is I think there's less than 1% chance that Bauer is in Cincinnati. Well, I guess
1: that's probably what Nick was about to go with. Are they trying to actively make room to... to to pull the miracle off to keep Bauer because he is the the all-star, not only the guy to build around, but the guy that's going to be selling all kinds of merchandise and, you know, bringing fans to the stadium. If that's even something that will happen next season, I doubt it. But um, is that what you were going to say, Nick?
3: Um, It was almost like a double dip of maybe just maybe they keep Bauer And also they go after Francisco Lindor all in one giant swoop. That's my dream.
0: Have you heard like kind of what the Indians want for him? We had to give up like our like, I'm pretty sure. I think I heard it's like our top five prospects, which they could all suck, but that's a lot. And then you get Lindor for, is it one season?
3: I mean, it's one season assuming you can't get him to re-sign with you.
0: He's gonna go get Yankee money the next season. You can't do that with Bauer and Lindor in a small market.
2: It, which it seems to be the Reds MO, which would make sense if they had a a young competitive team around those guys and were thinking, all right, like we'll we'll live off rentals but we have this strong core. They're nowhere near being the type of team that is one or two rentals away from, you know, making a deep playoff run. You could maybe make the argument last year that, Hey, we tried to put together a team with free agents. We're fine having these rentals. We know we're going to get no value back for, but, It seems the Reds have just no direction in terms of do we want to rebuild? Do we want to try to contend? What's going on?
3: Well, Sam, they were hiring that director of analytics position. Uh, Maybe you should jump in. Take them to new heights.
2: I mean, the the fact that they're putting that on LinkedIn, I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? But I I don't think... (laughs) I don't think analytics at any point is going to gonna help this organization that, it, like I said, it feels like they're in this kind of existential crisis of what do we want to try to do? Are we a rebuilding team? Are we a competitive team? Personally, I think that they still weren't close to competing when they made all those moves last year. but being last place for four out of five years in a row or not. Were they last place? They were down regardless being kind of a, a bottom dweller for the last four out of five years kind of forced their hand to try to get more fans in the seats because patience was wearing thin with the organization and they, they had to give it a shot. Sam, I think I don't you think could, they were anywhere close to competing. I think
3: you could also argue that if Castellanos and fuck, why can't I think of Mustakis have anywhere near similar years to the year they had in 2019 that the Reds might've actually done some damage in the playoffs, you know, which we won basically or lost because we didn't score a run. If, you know, Castellanos is roping and doubles and mashing home runs like he was all of 2019 instead of striking out 30 something percent of his uh, at bats. Like. Maybe we have a chance or maybe if the like, I think that we either did something wrong with our coaching or we way misread those two players and they, you know, performed in contract years and we looked way too into one year and gave them those big deals. Like the reds either screwed up in their assessment of those players or those players had a down year. I'm not sure what to think yet, but that's, a huge difference between whether they're a playoff winning team or a team that goes home by not scoring any runs.
2: I I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, we needed that 162 game season. We got screwed by not having that 162 game season.
0: I I think we got lucky. I I don't know. 62 games or 162 game
2: season. Joey Votto came out and said something kind of along those lines. It was either yesterday or today, from the standpoint of like, yeah, you know, we made the playoffs, but we really benefited from those expanded playoffs, and we we really underperformed last year. Was basically the the just well, everybody knows
3: it takes Joey Votto seventy plus games to warm up, even.
2: Yeah, and that's why I think so many Reds fans are considering it a missed opportunity that we didn't get to play the full 162 games. But um, I don't know with a with a four game or with a four team or sorry five team playoffs. Um, I I don't know if we would have snuck in the way we did with the expanded playoff format, but. Regardless of, you know, hey, you took your shot. It didn't work out last year. Looking forward, if you were, quote unquote, ending your rebuild with the moves you made last year, why the sudden sell-off? I mean, we're looking at another multi-year rebuild and the only thing that's going to save us from last place in this division is the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates are in the same division as us. <laughs> but if you let Gray go, if you let Bauer go, which he probably will, if Russell Iglesias goes, and if you're doing all of these moves to cut payroll, you're probably not bringing any, in any free agents. It's not a good-looking baseball team next year. Probably not a good looking baseball team the year after that.
0: Well, and and for a team like the Reds, who can't just spend money all willy nilly, we kind of did last year. So you kind of had to see this coming. There are repercussions for a team like us when we spend money in free agency. There's 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 there's, you know, backtrack to it where you're going to have to let guys go because you're at the end of your rope in terms of, of cash to, for, for your team. And uh, I still don't understand the whole Sonny Gray thing. Cause he's still on a very friendly contract right now and we're getting maximum value out of that contract. Um, maybe when he becomes closer to free agent status, we kind of do the same thing with Trevor Bauer. I don't think it's so much with Trevor Bauer that we're going to lose him because, our end I think he's going to go he's going to go take max value. Like Nick said a couple episodes ago, I forget what pitcher you brought up, like Kevin Gausman or something like that's making 19 million dollars on a contract. Some somebody like that's getting that kind of money. Trevor Bauer wants a lot more than that. And he deserves it to be quite honest. And the Reds just aren't willing to make that kind of a commitment even to a guy who I think would be worth attempting to keep around.
2: But, well, I mean, if you're going to go into rebuild mode, trading Sonny Gray is actually one of the few smart things I think they can do. That if they get a good return for him, which they haven't had the best experience with in the past. But, I mean, Sonny Gray was a reclamation project from the Yankees. And they've done a great job kind of getting him back to where he was with the A's. So they've taken a cheap asset, made him valuable. You might as well sell at the height of his value. But this is the point I want to get to, Richard, because we as fans too often allow ourselves to drink the Kool-Aid of the fucking owners of these Monopoly teams when sure. they bitch to us we're not making money as oh, if I hear you. these motherfuckers <laughs> don't have an asset that is artificially inflating in value because they belong to a league that doesn't expand and has continually increasing revenues every fucking year i want to i want to give you a little bit of information about Bob Castellini's time as owner and how much his asset and purchase of the Cincinnati reds has grown. He bought the reds in 2006 for $270 million.
1: Trump change
2: for Forbes estimated last year that the Cincinnati reds are worth $1.1 billion. That's a four X growth in the matter of 15 years in the value of the team. Look, I get that these are smart business guys and you sit here and say, well, they're going to run it like a business. Professional sports teams are not a fucking business. They're a vanity project for people who have way too much fucking money that they couldn't spend it in 7 million lifetimes. You buy a sports team to win games,
0: yeah, you don't to Mike buy Brown. them
2: to milk. Well, Mike Brown's a completely separate situation, but because very few sports teams are inherited anymore. But why sure. would you buy a sports team to fucking have it suck? I hear you all of the time. The Reds make, according to Forbes, about two hundred seventy-five million in revenue each year. Their player expenses in 2020 were 148 million. Their operating income was 23 million. They still fucking make money, and it's not off gate receipts. Don't let coronavirus be some sure boogeyman. And I get it; it's it's not a small chunk of change. They're estimated that the gate receipts are about 45 million. That's that's a lot of money. It's a big hit. It's a hit you took for one year. And you're still fucking profitable off your TV right. contracts.
0: It's a drop in the bank. So don't to, don't to
2: cry poor that you can't buy anyone. If that's the case, sell the fucking team. Like,
0: well, there's I, a reason I, that no I, no owners have bowed out. You know what I mean? They know that. Yeah. They can well, take he's not going to sell the, the team. Small loss because
2: he knows he can milk it. He can milk it, and you know, in in any other industry, this is the other part of well. They got to run it like a business. No, they don't fucking have to run it like a business because in any other industry, Mike Brown would have been out of a job like two years after he took over the team. If you run a business poorly, you go out of business. If you run a sports team poorly, you make more money than if you actually ran it well. That's why it's not like a business. And so I I cannot stand the argument that, We should allow the owner of our team to paint us in this box of, well, we're a smart market. We're not going to spend on folks. And I'm not asking them to spend like the Dodgers, but you can't expect fans to suffer through five or six years of rebuilding and then kind of dip your toe in the water at trying to win and say, oh, it's too cold. I'm done. I'm out of here. Fuck it. Let's start another rebuild. Like, it's unacceptable. It's absolutely unacceptable. And if if the stadium, when they let fans come back, is a quarter full, Castellini's deserve it. They absolutely deserve it because we shouldn't have to put up with a half-assed attempt one year at trying to make a run and then another five years of rebuilding.
1: It'll at least be half full um, when the Cubs come to town. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus, Eric. Sorry, um, it just irritates you, me. Do you truly think that the path they're going down right now is them truly rebuilding? Or maybe just 100%. going in a slightly different direction?
2: I think the Reds Dick have Williams... no chance
3: of rebuilding. They don't know how to draft and develop players. They haven't drafted yep. and developed players since the 70s.
2: Yep. Which is why it's not going to work. And which well, is and why I don't like when we get prospects back because you've seen what happens to the prospects we get back. They're
0: never good. or yeah. We never allow them to be good.
2: And that's either poor scouting, poor development, or both. And it's likely yeah. both.
0: Well, so Trevor Bauer is probably gone no matter what we've talked about that being inevitable. Um, yep. Iglesias has has been good. He's also been poor the last in in a handful of outings the last year and a half. Um maybe they're just trying to maximize what they think they can get for him. maybe, maybe there's somebody that, I I don't know I'm spitballing here, waiting in the wings. Maybe uh maybe you want to move to Michael Lorenzen. He also kind of looked good at the end of the year as a starter. Um but maybe you're looking somewhere else uh closer wise um, and Sonny Gray's not gone yet, you Hunter know. Hunter Green's your twenty
3: twenty one closer. Well, and <laughs> th-
0: th- that's another hopeful prospect that we have. But what Sam just said is we don't develop prospects well, and I'm I'm with him. And and because because we haven't seen it happen yet. Nick Senzel was uh, this highly touted prospect, and he's been mediocre at best. Um, but I just. I don't think that they're going into a rebuild. I think they're like, I, again, like I said, I think there are repercussions for a spending money. And as much as you, as, as you just talked about the money they make, it, it doesn't change a thing. It, it's still, it is the way it is, especially in team for teams like us. It's just, it is what it is. And they're going to feed us that bullshit and we're not going to spend as much money. And the owner's still going to make his money. And, and we're going to complain about, you know, have a mediocre, mediocre team with mediocre success. I,
2: and and that's all well and good. And I don't think the Castiani or Castellini family is going to change the, the way they run the team. I just get annoyed when the fans sit there and shake their head and say, Oh yeah, you know, he's right. He's got to run it like a, like a business. Like they're on board with that and, and, and okay with that because all that means to me it it's like listening to zach taylor's prince conferences about building a culture and trying hard that it's meaningless in sports absolutely meaningless and as a fan who's spending your time and disposable income on what's a really shitty product um you you shouldn't be so accepting of that but, I
0: don't think it's. I don't think it's accepting. I think it's just, you, you know, the way it is. So you're just like, fucking whatever. You know what I mean? Because you, there's nothing we can do about it, and it, it it just is the way it is. So you're accepting it. I don't want to be accepting of it, but what but what you can are. you do about it? What can right. you do about it? Fight I mean, the good you, fight. Start a podcast. Yeah. Put
1: these bitches on blast
0: like Sam. Is. <laughs> yeah, th- I hope they listen. I doubt they will.
2: <laughs> Dude, a hundred percent they listen. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so can tell, we also tell, tell Daddy about Don
0: to take this to the
2: how
3: to the top. hard it is to scout for Major League Baseball?
2: Oh, I I'm like, sure it is. I wh- I know nothing I, about I, the minors. I want to talk no about. Idea
3: we talk about developing prospects and I brought up his name before the Reds have Jonathan India. He turns 24 in December. Like I said, like call him up, see what he can do. Kind of thing last year. Um, I'm just looking he was drafted fifth overall in the 2018 draft. I'm looking at the top 12 picks of that draft. I'll I'll read off some names. There's probably only, I'll say you guys will have only heard of maybe four of them. Zero. Casey Mize, Richard and Sam, you've probably both heard of him. His career major league statistics are 0-3 with a 5.99 ERA. Joey Bart, his career statistics for the Giants are 233 batting average and seven runs batted in. Alec Baum who actually had a decent rookie year last year um hit 338 Nick Magdrigal I think or Mugdrigal um
0: for the White Sox
3: for the White Sox he had a pretty decent rookie year last year mm-hmm. Jonathan India who hasn't been caught the up red by the Reds yet Jared Kalenic hasn't played for the Mets yet. Ryan Weathers hasn't played for the Padres yet. Carter Stewart, I don't think, has has not played for the Braves yet. Kyler Murray was the ninth overall yeah. pick of the MLB draft in 2018.
2: I bet he would have been played, pretty good. And he <laughs> plays
3: football. Travis Swaggerty for the Pirates was. Hell dead. yeah, dude. Yeah. What a name. He hasn't. They, pu- he hasn't played it yet.
2: Only On name alone,
3: <laughs> Swagger D. Can we change our? Can we change our uh, podcast to Swagger plays? <laughs> Swagger D plays. Grayson Rodriguez, who hasn't played for the Orioles yet, and Jordan Groshens, who hasn't played for. You had to butcher most of those names. Oh yeah, guaranteed. That's a good chance, but it sounded good. We already know I'm terrible at names, and that's it's not my job to memorize how to pronounce names. Cause I am not a baseball broadcaster. You. So that's your top 12 picks. A stud football player about seven or eight guys that haven't even made the majors yet who are between, you know, 21 and 24 years old. Two guys that look like they're actually going to be pretty good and a couple guys that look really shady early. So, like, we're talking a lot of shit about the Reds developing, but, like, baseball is insanely hard to judge talent, I feel like.
2: Yeah, I, I just looked at Baseball America uh, to see what percent of first-round draft picks make it to the MLB, and only 17.6% of players who are drafted and signed ended up making it to the majors between 1980 and 2010. Yeah, so and they you weren't... said
3: first rounders, right?
2: First rounders. Yep. Yeah,
3: that is insane.
2: Yeah, I, I get that the draft in baseball is uh much more of a crapshoot than definitely the MLB or sorry, the uh NBA and the NFL and even the NHL where, you know, late first rounders often don't make it to the NHL. But I mean, other organizations have 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 figured it out a little bit better than the Reds. And if you're going to be that type of team, well, that's where you need to start investing. And if there's any silver lining to kind of wrap up the Reds with, I did like the moves they made last year in regards to... Uh, the contract with driveline um, pitching run by Kyle Boddy. I think that's going to be something that will pay dividends for their pitching staff, but they're going to need to do more from a scouting and player development side of things um, to be that type of team that doesn't have to do 10, 20 years of abject non-competitiveness for one to two years of hope that often gets dashed in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's just something that I I can't be on on board with to for for something like that to happen. And
2: well, I mean, I'm, we've I'm been a, on board with Cincinnati-
0: it i'm a cincinnati fan true and th- true true uh, through and through, through and through but i get i get more tired every year i get more impatient every year and i'm to the point where like fuck it i just won't watch baseball anymore if, if this is
3: what i have to deal with for the next fucking 30 years yeah if i get to I watch say that now but there's no baseball su- on if right i now. get to watch hockey all summer because that's what it's gonna look like i'm gonna be able to do next year i'm totally watching more nhl games and
0: NHL fantasy foot I mean fantasy and, NHL.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know we, you can, won't be we can actually you know do you... a you know, competitive fantasy hockey league over baseball. Like I don't baseball's getting worse and worse for me. You know what she won't be watching, Nick? The Cyclones.
2: Oh. Yeah, no, I, no... I forgot about that. That was another kind of sad development.
1: It's sad. No dollar beer night. I mean, what are we? What are you gonna do? I, I
2: mean, hadn't it been makes going sense. to many
1: games, but it it does. It
2: COVID's been sense.
1: in US Bank Arena for like a decade now. They they needed to. The
0: I love that you still call that it place US Bank out. Arena. Yeah, it's Heritage, Heritage Bank. Bank, Arena, Bank Arena, you hear people call it Heritage Bank Arena, and you go. I don't know what is that? that? Where, what are you about talking US about? Bank what Arena? state is that in?
1: <laughs> who, who uses Heritage forever Bank? Forever
0: U.S. Bank Arena.
1: Name one Heritage Bank in, in in Cincinnati. Like where where is one at?
0: Right under Bofa.
2: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Nice. So the other Bofa actual the, the other actual Cincinnati sporting event that went on this week. Uh, is, I think, one of my favorite days of the year, uh, which is the crosstown shootout between Xavier and UC. Now, unfortunately, we've seen this rivalry get diminished and diminished and diminished to the point where it was on TV at 3 p.m. on a football Sunday, which was i think a, a, a kind of slap in this face to this rivalry because even though the both teams are kind of on down years um neither started the season ranked uh it was still a really good fun college basketball game to watch i don't know did you guys watch any of it I was oh no Well, I know you didn't, Eric.
3: What about Nick? Um, I didn't watch any, because honestly, until like maybe two days before it, I didn't even know college basketball was coming back, or had come back already, and I honestly had no clue that it was even on until Sam said, it's on today. I was like, oh, okay, and then... Not very long into it, Sam said something about it being a sad cross sound shootout. So I thought, oh, that must mean the game
2: sucks. So but no, it was it was sad because I was eating Skyline dip by myself in the basement. Yeah. Speaking of skyline, that I'm gonna go get my cross like, uh, a good time, get my basketball. Sam.
3: Sam. I honestly can't cross-down think of anything anything that would make me happier than sitting in my basement eating skyline dip watching the cross shootout
2: like what about doing it with your friends
3: i mean that's more fun sure but like i can't even say how many times i've watched it with other people in the last 10 years oh
0: my my big thing with it you you said that it happened on a sunday and that diminishes it Do you know what day it was on last year
2: i don't a remember. tuesday
0: It was on a fucking Tuesday in the afternoon. I I just don't understand why. Like it's a big rivalry. And and they always talk about how the the drive between Xavier and Cincinnati is X miles and and it is it is a big game. And you never see this game on prime time. Like even if it is on a Wednesday. Like why can't it be at seven o'clock on a Wednesday? Um it's just I I, I don't understand it because I think it's it's a big basketball game every single year. But then again, we're also from Cincinnati.
2: Well, ever since the fight, like the big brawl,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. they not
2: kind not sure. of have notched it back. Um, this whatever year, that's fucking one time. I, I I completely agree with you. I completely agree. Like they went to neutral site and they started playing it earlier in the season. So it was less meaningful. I mean, it was clear watching that game. Both of these teams were still figuring out how they're going to play basketball for the year. So
0: that, that was a hard thing about this year, for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, UC had only played one game. Xavier had played five already. Um, and UC is full of, you know, their program in transition. They're full of... um Guys that came with John Brennan from Northern Kentucky. Uh, they've got a transfer from Colgate. Um, they have a transfer from Michigan. The toothpaste. So, yeah, dude. The toothpaste.
0: <laughs> the dude who yeah. transferred from Colgate fucking wrecked UC last year. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to have him on our team this year.
2: Yeah. But no, it was a it was a fun game. Like so. Actually, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because I was thinking this watching the game. I love college basketball. In fact, I've got a college basketball game on right now. I do not watch the NBA. And I think the reason I like college basketball is the reason I like playing friendly matches in FIFA Ultimate Team but I cannot stand like the more competitive FIFA ultimate team. It's because once you get to that level of skill, Sam, I got packs to open. Let's wrap this up. (laughs) Everybody kind of, (laughs) kind of plays the same way. Like everyone has a similar style. When I watch the NBA, there's no like diversity in the way teams play. I kind of feel like it's all lack of defense. And at this point, trying to get open threes, or dunking the ball. Whereas Sam, college basketball... I would
3: like to say that you say lack of defense, but I would also say that the NBA players are so good, skillful
2: that, that you can't play it is
3: impossible them. to guard them.
2: Yeah, it's it's like playing against Mbappe. Mbappe in FIFA is fucking broken. And so every kid who plays competitively has Mbappe on their team. And if you can't afford Mbappe, you're fucked. Whereas with college basketball, like teams have to play with different styles. You've got zone, you've got man, you've got some teams that try to grind out wins. You've got some teams that have skillful shooters and will put up a lot of threes. It's just, there's more variety in college basketball, which is what I think I like per Nick's point. Yeah, it's not a lack of trying to defend. It's just the fact that they are so good at that level, the game has become really one-dimensional. And it's just less entertaining that way. But anyway, I enjoyed the Crosstown shootout. Even though UC lost, you know, I kind of put an asterisk next to this one given the situation surrounding... How early I, the game is in I the I think
3: year. I'm kind of sad that I didn't watch it because I think that would have risen my hype level for college basketball.
2: Oh, it definitely did for me. It definitely and, got you don't know
3: like I me said, into college basketball. You knew about <laughs> it. You didn't watch it, Nick? I kind of had zero. Um, I literally spend all of my free time playing Ultimate Team right now. Um, That's gross It's terrible. That disgusting. And you're
0: not getting terrible, any better Which is even more gross
1: It's a terrible, terrible thing Nick, why don't we try out those skills And uh, some club I'm not playing club I don't think we are either Wow, dude I'm kidding, we'll play
2: Richard, take us out, dog
0: Can I give B- Joe Burrow my knee? Sam has jades I like it Butt but stuff Butt stuff, but but stuff. 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 Stuff, but...